May the peace of Christ be with you. This is Molly Vetter, Senior Pastor of the Westwood United Methodist Church in Los Angeles. Welcome to our Sanctuary Gathering podcast. Here we share the sermon preached on Sunday as a part of our Sanctuary Gathering. We hope that in these words you will be drawn closer to God and made more ready to love your neighbor. As a congregation, we embrace the words of the Hebrew prophet that are etched into the stairs that lead to our building, the calling to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We also believe that we're a richer congregation for the diversity of people who participate in our community, and we celebrate the diversity of age, race, gender identity, and sexual orientation that participate in our church. You are welcome in this place, and we hope you will participate. We invite you to do your own theology, to wrestle with questions of faith as we seek out what it means to be faithful Christians today. You're welcome to join us not only by listening in to this podcast, but we also invite you to join in our congregational life. Every Sunday, you're welcome to join us for worship at 9.30 a.m. You can join us in our beautiful sanctuary in Los Angeles at the corner of Warner and Wilshire or online via our church Facebook page. All are welcome in our midst, and we thank you for being a part of our church. May these moments be a blessing to you today. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The Lord makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as ruler forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Our gospel reading comes from the first chapter of Mark, the first gospel that was written at the beginning or near the beginning of the story. I invite you to listen for the word of God. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, 
I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh, holy God, may my words and our thoughts and our lives reflect the fullness and beauty of your grace. We pray in your holy name. Amen. I can't open my news apps these days without feeling like the world is falling apart, being torn apart. The relentless devastation in Gaza breaks my heart and that it's come in response to unthinkable violence in Israel, that it traces back to a longer story of tension and violence makes it even more heartbreaking. But the projections of famine, the cost of damage to communities and livelihoods is overwhelming. And this week, this weekend, I read of the devastating cold and dramatic winter storms that affect so much of our country right now. Yesterday, I looked at a news map that showed the sections of the country where there was dangerous weather, and it was most of it. The reality of that suffering, especially on the people who have the least, is unmissable. And also, it's impossible to ignore the way changing weather patterns are part of a larger system of change affected by the ways that we've altered the climate. This devastation of the moment, part of something deeper and richer. And I'm told that even in the midst of the cold weather, primary season begins tomorrow, the moment where it feels like our nation is torn apart by polarized and opposing descriptions of reality, by political tensions that seem insurmountable. We seek a way forward, but no longer trust our institutions and our government to lead us. We've named our opponents in ways that reduce their humanity. It's hard to see a way forward. In all of this, it feels like we're being torn apart by a political moment and a crisis of our institutions, by a climate crisis, by war. In the midst of all of this being torn apart, I turned to the gospel reading for this week, which tells the story of John the Baptist appearing in the wilderness, of how he baptized Jesus, and in the moment of his baptism, how the skies, the heavens were torn apart, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. I was struck by the aggression of this description of how the heavens opened. I suppose it's always been there, but I imagined more like fluffy clouds parting. The Greek word 
schizo. Schizo has to do with this tearing apart, not at all unlike what we have named or had named schizophrenia, a condition where our human self is divided. The heavens are torn apart, it says, and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. I found myself in this rabbit hole of things that are torn apart and whether being torn apart is a good or a bad thing. I think, of course, of the prayers of ancient prophets like Isaiah, who prayed in longing for that day when the heavens would be torn apart so that God could descend. I think of the prophet Joel, who invited us to rend our hearts and not our garments. These ancient traditions of repentance, of tearing our garments, of sitting in sackcloth and ashes, have a practice of tearing in them. But Joel says, I don't want you to tear your clothes. I want you to tear your hearts. What does it mean to be torn apart? When are we faithful? When is it a gift? And when is it destruction? I was thinking about all of this as I was reading again Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail. A beautiful and convicting piece of writing that Dr. King wrote from a jail in Birmingham where he had been arrested in connection with nonviolent direct action he participated in. It was a letter to his clergy colleagues in Birmingham, which I suppose made me feel a little like he was writing it to me. But just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean he wasn't writing it to you. In the letter, he describes the tension of this moment and drawing from the nonviolent organizing work that he learned from Gandhi, he names the difference between uh, tension and peace. He's called out by his clergy colleagues, you see, for moving too fast, for getting too bold, for being a participant in actions that drew arrest. But Dr. King describes to his clergy colleagues and to us the importance of making this tension visible. Because in the civil rights movement of the 1960s, as in justice movements still, it's far too easy for those of us who are isolated and insulated from the direct consequences of injustice to look at the moment of crisis and suggest that it's created by the one seeking justice. That it's the black citizens protesting for rights in Birmingham who caused the problem. But of course they didn't right? The problem was the persistence of injustice, the denial of humanity, the generations of deprivation of economic possibility, the denial of the ability to sit in restaurants and stay at hotels and move about the world freely. This is the problem, but it's so often invisible. Injustice is so often invisible to those of us who don't suffer its direct consequences. And so part of the work of nonviolent direct action is taught by Gandhi, is modeled by Dr. King, is in making the tension visible. This seems counterproductive because 
especially we good church people, we like a slow and gradual change. We like to quote a different part of Dr. King, the one where he says something like, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We love that one because it suggests this graceful arc of slow and steady progress toward the world that God envisions. But when Dr. King offered us that quote, I don't think he meant to imply that the movement was always gentle and slow, that the changes could be simple and incremental and we wouldn't feel too much of the stress. Because Dr. King was also sitting in a jail in Birmingham, aware that for the world to care, to take on the cause of justice, we had to see the life-denying reality of injustice. And so a part of the work of Dr. King and his colleagues who persisted in the work of organizing and agitating for change, we saw the ugliness of white supremacy in fire hoses and dogs, brought in front of children protesting in a park, the ugliness of the power that seeks to control and to deprive. It's easy to blame the protesters, the ones raising their voice for justice, as if they're the beginning of the problem, but they are not. The tension was there all along. Which makes me wonder what the relationship between these things that feel like, that feel like they're being torn apart in our world is. These moments of rending, of breaking apart, of tearing open, they expose tensions that have been there all along, or at least for a good long while. The winter storms that are devastating with a freezing cold and snow in some places, they're part of a larger system that has led to this moment. Accumulated changes in our changing climate, in the reality of our planet, visible in a moment of crisis, but not invented by the storm. The need for a better way to be in the world, the ugliness of violence in Gaza today is not an invention of this moment, but an eruption of a tension long present. We Californians should understand this tension long present, right? This is how earthquakes work. The plates of the earth themselves build up tension until a change point. But it's not the earthquake. It's the problem. It's the way the system works. In our world, there are so many places of tension, so many moments of visible, making visible this tension in a moment of crisis. And it's into this moment, on top of this moment, at the same time as our recognition of these moments of devastation, that we read a story of God's Holy Spirit appearing in heaven's torn open. One of the things I think that separates the kind of being torn open that allows God to be visible and the kind of being torn open that only causes devastation is its 
consequences. So much of what's being torn open in our world is literally tearing apart the bodies and communities and families of lives of people. And this is devastation and destruction. But also at the same time, we have hope of heavens torn open so the Holy Spirit could descend and come in a moment to offer blessing. At that baptism, when the Holy Spirit descends, what the Holy Spirit says to Jesus, to the people gathered there perhaps, is an affirmation of connection. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. When the heavens are torn open, we find connection. What's torn apart is simply what had kept us from seeing the depth of our belonging to and with each other and with God. In this moment where everything seems so fragile, when tension divides and sets us over and against each other, I invite you to hear the hopefulness of a moment at the beginning of Jesus' ministry when being torn open wasn't destruction but affirmation and blessing and life. The tension is inevitable in our world because we have such a journey yet to go as we seek to be people who live into the fullness of God, who embody compassion and work for justice and stand up for love. We always have work to do, which is Another reason I'm so grateful that here at the beginning of our gospel, at the beginning of the story of Jesus, we have an invitation to repentance. Now, if you would have told me last week that I was fixing to preach a sermon about things being torn apart in repentance, I would have raised my eyebrow at least. We preachers have a long tradition of preaching sermons about doom and inviting you to repent and to change, too often using them in search of a relatively narrow gain. But I think there's something true also in this call, something true that is woven back through the prophecy of ancient Hebrew leaders, something important about recognizing the urgency of the situation, about recognizing that it feels like things are being torn apart and in this moment, let ourselves be open to change? Christians, although we sometimes get this twisted, Christians ought to be interested in righteousness more than being right, in being faithful more than winning. And the invitation of repentance is not a calling out of how wretched and wrong we were, a naming of our status as bad people, but an invitation for all of us who are human to be changed, to be more loving, to live with more care and compassion. We're Uh, as Methodists, those committed to this idea of Christian perfection, a recognition that part of the lifelong journey of faith is letting ourselves be continuously worked on, to letting us choosing to be people who 
work out some things. And confession and repentance then is about acknowledging that we have not gotten it all right. Trusting that God loves us still and opening ourselves up to seeing a better way. It's like realizing that you've been harming someone else. And in recognition of that, we don't have to say, I'm sorry, I'm such a horrible person. We can say more simply, I'm sorry, I didn't realize what I was doing. I will change and try to understand more fully. Thank you, right? Thank you for telling me how I could do better. This is the invitation of the gospel, to be people who are continuously learning, who aren't looking for validation that we're on the right side, but listening for ways that we can be more righteous, who are hungry for help in understanding and receiving and living out the love of God, who dissipate some of the tension not in a violent confrontation, but in a gentle release, a gentle release of how we had been in favor of who we can be. For those of us who live relatively comfortable lives, it's critical that we spend time learning and listening to the voices of those who have less power, the low, those who are further from the center's of power, those who are less comfortable, and letting their discomfort become uncomfortable for us in the hope that we might change. This is an individual thing, but it's also a congregational thing, a communal thing, a community thing, a national thing. We've got to be people who are ready to change our perspective and our actions and our ways of being in the world so that we're not torn apart. Instead, we get to be people who celebrate that the heavens are torn apart and the Holy Spirit descends. And it offers to us again a reminder of the blessing of God. And as the Holy Spirit says to Jesus, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased, I hear the Holy Spirit also echoing those words to me and to you, to each of us today, claiming us as God's beloved children, declaring God pleased with who we are, delighting in our existence, and knowing that God delights in us, then we become people who have the courage to be vulnerable and change, to see in a new way, to risk listening to a perspective different from our own, to risk seeking the welfare of someone, some people, some issue that has been set up to be opposed to us. We're invited to risk belonging with each other, more wildly, more fully, across borders and barriers. We're invited to sit with discomfort, to be disturbed by our awareness of things that are not going well, things that are broken, things that are doing harm. We're invited to be uncomfortable so that we can make a change not in some abstract system of punishment, of labeling of the good and the bad, but in the lived practical reality of being people who seek to love more deeply. 
to live in the world with greater compassion, to work for communities that embody the values of the gospel. For Martin Luther King Jr., these values uh, became visible in the struggle for civil rights for black Americans. They connected to issues of economics as he struck with sanitation workers in Memphis that connected to issues of pacifism and advocacy against war, a webbed network of what we might call issues that are interconnected systems. We see differently when we belong with each other on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, on this baptism of our Lord Sunday, we're invited to be people who do that work of connecting, who reconnect the world, our relationships with our neighbors and strangers, our care for even our enemies, to reweave the fabric that has been torn apart, to repair the chasm bridging that gulf in hopes of another way possible because those heavens were torn open. And in being torn open, the heavens affirmed that this world is a location of the divine, that this world is beloved and blessed by God that these bodies, that our lives, that our neighbors and also strangers and also our enemies are the ones who are claimed and known as children of God, that tearing open made visible something that was already true but now was plain to see that God is here among us, that we matter and so do our neighbors and even those we oppose. In the midst of all of this, then, we do the work of living in the tension, of persisting in the work, of standing up for the ones who've been excluded or forgotten, of advocating for those who are at risk today. All of this, an expression of what becomes imperative to us because we've seen those heavens torn open, and we want to be the ones who knit back together the fabric of the world, who participate in what God is doing in healing and drawing together and connecting us as if members of the same body for the sake of hope and life and justice and love. May it be so. Amen.